smart device, uh, the notes are online. So um, if you are tech savvy, you will be able to follow right along with your smartphone or tablet. As you're doing all that stuff, I'm going to just pray and just ask God to speak his word. Um, Paint the Town Red, the sermon series, it, uh, particularly, we're focusing on the letters of Jesus, the red letters in the Bible, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, Hebrew, or excuse me, uh, Matthew chapter 13. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering together in your name. Father, we thank you that your word is living and active. God, we thank you that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we thank you that it's powerful. Father, we thank you that, God, it is instructions. God, it's, it's life to us. And, Lord, I believe that, Father, there are so many people in this place this morning that need that fresh breath of life to be upon their lives. Lord, would you breathe fresh life upon us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. As we're uh, starting in, into this, as I was preparing my message, the verse that just kept popping into my mind, and so we're going to start off with this. This is not Matthew 13, but it'll be up on the screen here. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and this is what it says. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He is a reward of those who earnestly seek Him. There's a prerequisite to please God. Okay? First off, you must believe that He really exists. I don't know how many times you've ever read that verse and skipped over that. That's why I underlined that part. Because the majority of the time we, 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 we read that and we know that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But the verse that's, that really popped out to me was the, was the middle part of that, is that we must believe that He really exists. Because if you have that foundation, then friends, everything else you can build upon. But without that foundation, then you know what? Then your theology, your, your thinking, the way you live your life is all screwball. Because, well, I don't know if your God is real. Well, yeah, God's real in this circumstance. And well, not, well sometimes, it, you know, and what is that? That's, that's not a faith that God can build upon. So if you want to know, if you're in here this morning, it's because there's a heart desire for you to be pleasing to God. Correct? Amen. If not, we're wasting your time. You could be at home watching the game. But most likely you came into this place today because something inside of you wants to please God. So I love what the writer of Hebrews says. So, okay, without faith it is impossible to please God. So what is faith? We must do what? Believe that it really exists. How many in here believe that God exists? Okay. Hopefully that's something that somebody didn't talk you into because then somebody else can talk you out of it. I don't know how many of you have ever seen there's a, a movie that came out maybe a year or two ago. It's called um, uh, God is Not Dead. Anybody here ever watch that movie? And it, it's... The, the, the thing that's, that's pretty amazing about that movie is if you've ever watched the movie at the very end, they have all these credits. That movie, is, it's kind of like based on a true story, but not based on a true story because it's based on, on real events that happened where, where these professors, these atheist professors were evangelical professors and their goal is to talk people out of believing in God. And so if you ever watch that show again at some time, just remember just... 
stick around for a minute, watch the credits, and then at the end it'll give you case-by-case scenario, and it's a long list. This, 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 and this happened here, it happened in this college, happened in this one, and this, and it's a long list. And so the whole thing was, this guy is what? If, if your faith is, is small, or if you have weak faith, then somebody can talk you out of what you believe. That's why we must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who sometimes seek Him, those who part-time seek Him. i got a part-time job, so I'm going to part-time seek God. No. No, those who diligently, in one translation, earnestly on the screen, seek Him. And I don't know about you, friends, but if you have... If you've come alongside and you've become a part of the body of Christ here at Vision Ministries, friends, we are a church that earnestly seeks Him. We seek after the Lord. And so if, if it seems that we may be at times be, be um, aggressive, it's because, friends, we want to see people live the life that God has called them to, to, to live. And we want to see God move in a powerful and tangible way. And I don't know about you, any time that God moves miraculously in the Bible, it's because people were earnestly seeking Him. So that's what we want to do here. We want to earnestly seek God. Okay, that's a whole other story. That's a, that's a kind of a little preamble as we're getting ready to go into uh, the red letters of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. So we're going to read about the parable of the sower. We're going to read 23 verses, so I need you to, to, to pay attention. Promise not to fall asleep as we're reading the Word. Can you promise? If the, person, if the person sitting next to you begins to doze off, just pinch them. It's perfectly fine. I give you... The authority to pinch your neighbor if they start dozing. Just pinch them. Okay? You don't got to smack them in the back of the head. Okay? You don't, you don't got to nudge them. Just give them a little pinch. Wake them up. Because I don't know, there's something about monologuing that causes people to want to, to start dozing. I, I, you know, it's, it's not that I'm, I'm boring. It's that, I don't know, just monologue has a way of doing that. Okay? I'm telling myself I'm not boring. <laughs> okay, you can go ahead and follow along on the screen or follow along uh, on your Bibles or, or on your smartphone or, or whatever. We're going to read 23 verses here, and then we're going to break these down. How does that sound? Say, I'm ready, I'm ready. for the Word of God. Word. Come on. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 through 23. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by a lake. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood there on the shore. Then he... T- told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places, and where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, Still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not all of them. Whoever will be given, or excuse me, whoever has will be given more, and will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. 
Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not uh, hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be hearing but never understanding. You will be seeing but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become calloused. They heartily hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will hear them, heal them. But blessed are you because your eyes are blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And so God is so good as he's talking, he just goes ahead and he just he just gives the understand the understanding of the parable. Okay? He says. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil, will, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. So the question that you can ask yourself this morning today, friends, is what kind of soil is my heart? What kind of soil is my heart? Number one, friends, we have the seed on the path. And it's the seed that's sown when the farmer was scattering seed, this fell along the path. Okay, and if you know anything, uh, this is uh, you know, a brick path or whatever. But most likely uh, in the time, the cool thing about Jesus is Jesus spoke in parables that, uh, that was right along with their lifestyle. The majority of the Israelites were farmers, so if Jesus was today, he'd be speaking in our language. So when he said along the path, they understood that there were paths that went along where, where the person would walk and they would, they would scatter seed. Now the path was trampled down and people would walk on it, okay? And so there's seeds on the path. And what does Jesus say? Okay, that uh, this soil, Satan steals the seed. It says the birds come and they snatch the seed quickly. I like what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 12. We're reading in Matthew, but Luke chapter 8, verse 12, he says this. He says that uh, those along the path are the ones who hear... Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. So what does he do? He quickly snatches that seed up so that they cannot believe. He quickly snatches the seed up before the person has the opportunity to truly respond to the word. And friends, if you are, if you are in, this, in this place today and you are a careless listener, then friends, you are easy prey for Satan today. If you've come into the house of God today and you're a careless listener, you're just kind of like listening, but you're not really listening, most likely 
Your heart is like the hard path. And guess what? Every word that I'm speaking, because the Word of God is living and active, is, Jesus said, my word is spirit and life. That's being spoken to you right now is spirit and life. And if your heart has been callous, the enemy's going to steal away the seed that's being sown into you right now. Okay? If you're a careless listener in this place, again, let me say, you're easy prey for Satan. He is the thief. John chapter 10 and verse 10 actually calls him, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So he is the thief that will snatch away the seed before it has the opportunity to bear fruit. And you may look at me today and say, well, how the heck can seed grow on rocky soil? Well, we can go all the way back to the book of Isaiah, where, the, where the, a word of the Lord says that my word is like a fire and it is like a hammer, and it shatters the rock to pieces. The reason Satan snatches the seed quickly, because if the seed sat on that rocky ground long enough, it would bust through that hard ground and begin to grow down and, and, and grab some roots. That's why Satan has to snatch it quickly. Because if it wasn't powerful, then, then Satan wouldn't steal it so quickly. Oh, they, you know, oh, they're not going to care about that. No, but the Word is so powerful. So y'all ain't getting this. That's why he has to be quick and whoop, snatch it away. He's like, oh, that's a hard heart. Let me snag this away before it actually starts to do something in him. Friends, if you have a first soil heart, then friends, you need to hold fast to God's Word. Don't let anyone or anything steal the Word of the Lord from you. Because all too often what happens is we start, we begin, the, 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 the seed, the Word is sown okay, in our hearts, and then what we do, we allow things, we allow people to, to steal what God has done. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people sitting right alongside where you should be sitting, but there was a person or a thing that stole away and snatched the seed that should be bearing fruit in their life. If you have a first soil heart, hold fast to God's Word. I'm talking about like, like don't let go of it. Friends, it's life to you. And if it's not life to you, then friends, you need to make it life to you. That's the seed on the path. The second seed we see is the seed on rocky soil. Good little picture of a little seedling kind of popping up through there. The second soil, okay, in the second soil we see these individuals make a Christ commitment. Okay, the person gets saved. We even see that that individual enjoys the new relationship with God, perhaps even celebrating the newfound freedom because Jesus says that they receive the words with joy. So there's a season where this person is excited about God. They're excited about church. They're excited about what God is doing. Okay, they probably got touched at the altar, felt the presence of God, got set free from some sort of addiction or bondage, and friends, now they're, man, they're, woo, on fire. What happened? Man, that seed went down and it started, and it, and it, it, it sprung up. He received the word with joy. 
These individuals, they start off loving God and telling everyone. But yet, it's only short-lived. It's only for a short while. Kind of like a firework. Bright colors with a lot of noise. It puts on a display with a loud bang, but it fizzles quickly. And so these will be the individuals that come, and, and man, and they're, they're all excited, and they're going to do everything for God, but then after a month, you don't see them in church anymore. Okay, they have a good start, but they don't finish. That is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13, not he who, be, who started strong will be saved. Not he who had a good start, but he says that he who endures to the end or he that stands firm to the end will be saved. Friends, it's not about how good you start, it's about how good you finish. There's a lot of people that have a, a better start than I've ever had. But yet for some reason they never have the capacity to finish. And that's why Jesus said to him who endures to the end will be saved. And I love what, it, what Jesus says in the book of Revelation. Okay? He says to him who endures, or uh, in the book of Revelation, it says, he who overcomes will inherit all this. What do you must do? Give up? No, overcome. You have to be an overcomer to inherit what God has for us. Friends, think about it like this. It's such a great prize, and it's going to be such a great battle to get it. You've got to keep fighting. I don't, know, I don't know the army that won the battle by quitting. Okay? The army that won the battle was the one that kept fighting. What happens if America just said, oh, Germany is just too tough, we're just going to have to pull back our forces? What would have happened in World War II? Okay? Who knows? Who knows what our world might look like right now? Okay? But there were individuals that said, I'm willing to fight, give my life, and I'm going to push to the very limit because we cannot allow this injustice to continue on. Friends, and that's how we got to be with our Christian walk. That we're going to fight. That we're going to push. That we're going to press when it gets tough. What is, it, what is that old saying? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. How come in our day when the going gets tough, the tough gets slowing? <laughs> Things start getting tough and people start quitting. <laughs> oh, this is too tough for me. And it's amazing that people, you, if you, if, uh, sometimes I think we can be like, like Samuel, who would look on the outward appearance and look at the mighty man who is the, the oldest of Jesse's sons and say, this for sure is the king, the next king of Israel. And God would say, nope, 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 nope. This little ruddy kid that's over there that's taking care of the sheep is the king. Looking on the outward pers perspective. Sometimes we can look at people and they put on a, a grand display of how they got saved and what God's doing. And yet they're the ones that fizzle out and it's the one that nobody even really knows that made a, a full life hearted commitment will be the one that just keeps pressing on when things get tough. Not saying that we shouldn't, shouldn't uh, express and share what God is doing. We absolutely should because the Bible says that they defeated him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives as to shrink back from death. Okay? Matthew Henry says this. He likes to use this word hypocrites and he uses it a lot. <laughs> he says this. He says, hypocrites, like the stony ground, get <laughs> off often get the start of true Christian in the shows of profession. Many are glad to hear a good sermon, but do not profit by it. They're told of free salvation and the believer's privileges and the happiness of heaven, 
but without any change of heart, without any change abiding conviction of their own depravity. They, their need of a Savior or the excellence of holiness. They, they soon profess an unwarranted assurance, but when uh, heavy trials threatens them or some sinful advantage may be had, they give up or disguise their profession or turn to some other easier system. Friends, if you are, find yourself, if you look at your heart and you see the soil of your heart is like the, the, the hard, rocky ground, which the Scripture says that it, it was it received with joy, but what? Tough times. It said actually the sun scorched it and it was withered. It said trials and persecution come and because it has no root, that it does what? It withers away. It cannot grow. How many of us know that Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation? Friends, you can't just receive the benefits of the things of God without understanding that you're going to go through hard things with God and the things of God. Actually, it's the tribulations and the trials that refine us and that define us and that make us more like God. But maybe perhaps, maybe... We don't have any root because we don't have God's Word. Because, friends, when you begin to study God's Word, when you begin to memorize God's Word, when you begin to hide His Word in your heart so that you don't sin against Him, Psalm 119, verse 11, then, friends, that begins to build that sure, uh, grounding, uh, solid foundation of that, of that sturdy uh, root system that when things get tough, friends, you are able to stand. How, how is it that when we have strong winds up here in Toledo, that you'll have limbs busted over, and you'll have uh, you know, trees that are knocked over, and what are, what are our, our you know, highest wind capacity? What, 60 miles an hour, maybe 70, maybe up to like that? How is it that you can be down in Florida, and they can have like 100, 150 mile an hour winds, and those trees don't get uprooted? Matter of fact, if palm trees... They have the ability that when the wind starts blowing, they just kind of do one of these numbers. Have you ever seen a video? When you have hurricane winds that are blowing against palm trees, what do they do? They just do one of these. And then when the winds stop, what's happening? They're still standing up. Why? Because they have a strong root system. Friends, when you have a strong root system, when the winds blow, you're not easily blown away. But if your heart is like the like the one with the stony ground. When things get tough, friends, you tuck tail and run. If you have a second soil heart, friends, then you need to get rooted or you're going to get booted <laughs> from the kingdom of God. <laughs> you got to get rooted in His Word, established with believers. Surround yourself with people who can help build you and equip you and lift you up. Friends, be around like-minded people who, are, who have uh, been tested in their faith. They've been doing it for a few years. Maybe they've been doing it for a few decades. You know what? Those are the type of people that you want to surround yourself around because then when you are uh, uh, attempted to fly, maybe they can kind of pull you back down to earth and say, no, suck it up, buttercup. How many of us need a person like that in our life? Think about it. 
How good would a team be without a coach? It's a person that can sit on the outside and watch the performance and say, okay, fix this, adjust this, tighten up this. We need people like that in our lives who can look at our lives and say, you know what, let's adjust this for a moment. This, you know, we got to stop saying this. Has anyone here ever had a brother or sister in the Lord tell you something that you need to stop saying? If you've never had that happen, you need to start getting some people around you who will tell you the truth. Because I guarantee you, everything that comes out of your mouth isn't good. If it is, then you can have my job. Because <laughs> I know that everything that comes out of my mouth isn't good. But luckily, I have men of God and people of God in my life that when I say something stupid, that have the guts to say, you know what, this probably was out of order. And you don't have to do it in a way that disrespects somebody or that puts them on blast or in front of a bunch of people. Okay, Because sometimes we can try to correct somebody and do it all the wrong way. How would you like to be corrected? Okay? Most likely, you would like somebody to come and sit and take you aside and, and talk to you about it. If that's the way you want correction, then that's the way you should probably give it. Now, <clears throat> and hey, if you like it like that, then just take it like that. Just tell them, say, say, hey, you need to smack me. I need it like that. I'm just so stubborn. My head is hard. If you don't just smack me with it, I'm not going to receive it. Some people are like that. They just, they like it just hard. Just, just give it. Hey, you know, that's cool. <laughs> They don't, like all the, they don't like all the soft, you know, oh, you know, fix this and fix that. Man, they want, they want it tough. Tough love. Give me some of that tough love. Okay, so the second seed was the seed that was on rocky soil. The third seed. Say the third seed. Friends, this is the scary seed. The first two seeds are easy to distinguish. The third seed is the one that's a little bit less easy to distinguish, and it's actually probably the most dangerous because the first two seeds are already in danger of hellfire. Can I just say that? If you have a hard heart, like the, like the, uh, if, if your heart is like the soil of the rocky path, okay, you're in danger of hellfire. If it's like the rocky ground and there's no root and God's, and God's Word and God's Spirit can't grow in you, then you're in danger of hellfire. The thing that's scary about this third one is that this one isn't easily recognized. Okay, the third seed was the seed that was among thorns. Okay, the third soil is the lukewarm believer that Jesus says that he will spew out of his mouth in the Revelation chapter 3 and verse 16. He says, I wish you were hot nor cold. You're neither. I'm going to spit you out. <laughs> Got real quiet. Friends, okay, now this is where it gets uh, tricksy here. Look at your neighbor and say, Trixie Hobbits. <laughs> You've ever seen the movie? Okay, these individuals have a born-again experience. Okay, there's growth. You see change in their lives. Okay, but the thing is, is we don't know, and sometimes they can fail to show a genuine commitment to Christ. Other times, you can't even see that that's truly happening. That there's still a struggle with separating themselves from the world. Most likely, people that are the seeds among thorns are church members. Okay? They maybe even be ministry leaders of some sort or in some capacity of ministry. 
yet their life is full of distractions. Perhaps after receiving the freedom that they got in, in Christ, and after committing their lives to Christ, they've now fallen into the American dream. Even Jesus talks about this. Wealth. The deceitfulness of wealth. Perhaps they fall into the American dream, and so, so now, uh, now that they've been set free from drugs, and they've been set free from addictions, and so now they're freed up, and now they're built up, and now they're encouraged, and so then they start working, but then now they're working 60 to 80 hours because, they, man, they just got to get that new car, or they got to get that new stuff, they got to get that new this. And so what do they do? Their life is now be, starts becoming consumed with what? The deceitfulness of wealth. Or perhaps... It says the cares of this life choke it and make it unfruitful. Perhaps it's, it's the, the parents that, that are now, they have made their child an idol and, and so all of their attention and their affection revolves around their child and maybe it's out of goodwill because as a child they never received that type of attention. They never received that type of love and so now as a parent and as a person who has God in their life, now they want to uh, be there for their child in a capacity that they didn't get. So now they're, they're, they have their child involved in all of these different things and they're doing all this stuff. And what? Their time and their energy is consumed with what? Their kids. And if you could, and on the outward they would say they love God, but really when you look at it, they've allowed their children to become an idol in their life. And what is that? That's called what? The cares of this world, life's distractions. Perhaps it's maybe the person who, you know, maybe it's not the kids or maybe it's not that, but maybe it's that career situation where this person has been putting in hours and hours and hours. And yeah, they, they come to church when they can, but, but for all too often it seems like their job takes priority of church time. And so, so they, they find themselves giving those extra hours because, man, they want to get to the top of the ladder. And, and yet they do not realize that while they're doing that, that their time and energy is being spent on this, that they're beginning to allow the cares of this world to begin to creep up and choke out the, that which God planted in first, which got you to that position. I love what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Because God already knew this was going to happen. And He said, don't say, with the, you know, with the strength of my hands, I produced this wealth for, for myself. He said, remember, it was God who gave you the strength to produce that wealth for yourself. Amen. He already knew this was going to happen. He had a new people would, would begin to receive him and then begin to live their life at, you know, looking successful on the outside. Jesus says that these people are unfruitful for the kingdom. If there is no lasting fruit, then it is like the unfruitful fig tree that Jesus cursed in Matthew chapter 21, verse 19. This was a big, proud, beautiful tree. And when he went up to the tree to look for something to eat, because the Bible said Jesus was hungry, he seen that their fruit, uh, the fig tree was on the road, he went up to it, found nothing except leaves, and he said, may there never bear fruit on you again, and it withered. He cursed the unfruitful tree. God's word could be planted in you. You could begin to, to grow up like that tree. But friends, when he comes to test your fruit, if he finds none, then friends, you're going to find yourself cursed. Even John the Baptist talked about this in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10. John the Baptist says this. He says, the axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What is he talking about here? 
What fire is he talking about? Hellfire. He said every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Which means there are going to be trees in the kingdom of God that are unfruitful, that are going to be cut down, that are, that are growing up right amongst fruitful trees, and God's going to ax them. And they're going to be the ones that like the sheep and the goats, and they're going to be separated. They're like, Lord, we were at church. We paid our tithes. We served at the block party. We did street evangelism. But yet, there was unfruitfulness in your life. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says it pretty distinctly. It says, The land drinks and the rain often falls on it. That produces a crop useful for those for whom it is farmed. Receives the blessing of God. Verse 8. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burnt. So friends, if you've allowed the seed of the Word of God to grow, if you've received the Word, and yet you've allowed the things of this life to choke out the full fruit-bearing capacity that God has on your life, then friends, you are in danger of hellfire. Friends, if you're the third soil, God has done some work. Perhaps you're lukewarm. Perhaps maybe you've made a full declaration. Perhaps you're still kind of being weighed in the balance. Friends, let Him break every chain, every desire, every entanglement off your life. Friends, I'm telling you this. It's uh, the thing that I believe that is choking out the Word of the Lord in America is, is, is the American dream. That is, the, that is one of the greatest things that is choking out the Word of God in our, in our society. And it, doesn't hap, and it doesn't help that we have people that are preaching, the, you know, the, the more you serve God, the more that He's, he's going to give to you. The thing is, is when you commit your life to Christ, He don't have to give you a lick of anything else because He already gave you everything. Because why? Because He saved you from hellfire. You get to be with Him forever. So He really doesn't have to give you anything else. Yet because He loves you and because of His grace towards you, friends, He gives you favor. He gives you blessings. And all that is is a byproduct of the grace of the Lord that He places on your life. But what happens is we get distracted by the gifts. We can't be distracted by the gifts. Not that we're not supposed to enjoy these things, but friends, we've got to be so careful that we don't allow the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth. And I like what it even says, um, it even says in, um, in the book of uh, Luke, he says that it actually was an immature. It didn't have the capacity to, to grow and to full, fully blossom. It was immature. How many immature people are in the house of God? I'll tell you, it absolutely hurts my heart to see people that have, man, just the greatest capacity to do great and awesome things, and yet they're in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out. It hurts my heart to see that. The sad thing is, is what happens if Jesus comes back when you're on that backslide? I don't know about you, I remember watching the, the Left Behind series back in the day with Kirk Cameron, and the thing that, the thing that, was, that, was the, that most caught my attention was the pastor that was, stand, that was kneeling there in the church while the majority of his congregation was gone. 
Friends, there's going to be tons of people that are going to look good on the outside, but when, it, when the rubber meets the road, they're going to be like the soil with the thorns and the thistles. The fourth soil is the seed that's on the good soil. Okay, now let me tell you this. Okay, when God plants His Word in you, you don't start off looking like that. Okay, He's got to toil up some junk. I mean, He's got to cut, He's got to bust up some rocks. He's got to chop down some weeds, some trees. He's got to start some stuff on fire. He's just got to burn brush. <laughs> and after His Word has been being deposited in you after a while, it begins to look a little something like this. But it doesn't look like that at first. Okay? That's a nice pretty little, nice lines, got it all cleaned up, soil nice and watered, plants are healthy. It doesn't start off like that. The fourth soil here, okay, they hear the word, and they obey it. I love what it says in Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Okay, there's a woman that says, Jesus, blessed is your mama. And your mama's stuff that fed you. Yeah, that's what it says. Did it, does it not say that? Boobs are in the Bible, I'm sorry. Talks about it. And so this is his reply to that, Okay. This is just like, he's in the crowd, he's speaking, and they just like shout that out, out of the middle of nowhere. I just, you know, and so he says, he's, he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed rather are those who hear the word. So that's the fourth soil, those who hear the word of God and they obey it. Okay? Matthew Henry says this, he says, the distinguishing factor for good soil is fruitfulness. By this True Christians are distinguished from hypocrites. He just likes that word, hypocrites. Let me say that again. Matthew Henry says, the distinguishing factor for good soil is fruitfulness. By this, true Christians are distinguished from hypocrites. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 20. It says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do not pick... People don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bear tr bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree, and he says it again, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and what? Thrown into the fire. What fire is he talking about again, friends? Hell. Jesus won't send people to hell. Everybody's going to heaven. All roads lead to heaven. <laughs> You're right. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Okay, friends, these are the believers who live out what they believe by their actions. Okay, they're all out for Jesus. Okay, they're the ones that produce fruit with their lives. They're the faithful witnesses. Okay, they're the ones whose primary goal is, is to glorify God, to bring Him glory, to live for Him with everything they got. 
Friends, and out of just their relationship with God, they produce 30, 60, and 100-fold increase. It's not that they're trying to do something. It's just that, that, that they put themselves in obedience to God and out of their obedience, okay? You don't have to tell a plant you have to start producing fruit. No, a plant automatically produces fruit when it's, when it's put in the proper condition and has the, the proper amount of sunlight and the proper amount of nutrients. And it's the same thing with the believer, Friends, when, they're put in, when they have proper soil of their heart where God plants that seed, friends, it will begin to bear fruit. It's almost like you don't even really, I mean, you do have to do something, but God's Spirit does the work. You just say yes to it. It's when you start trying to do stuff is when you find yourself falling into works and falling into religion, and then, and then you find yourselves in a whole heap of mess. Because then you're trying to live out your, your Christianity by, by works, and I love what James says, you know, that show me your faith by your deeds. We're supposed to do stuff, obviously. The last thing we need are a bunch of Christians sitting around doing nothing, okay? But you don't do stuff to prove stuff. You do stuff because you love them. Amen. This is the cool thing. Jesus even doesn't say that the 30 is less than the the hundred. He says that the good soil produces 30, 60, and 100 fold increase. And he didn't say, now the hundred is better than the 30 because. No, in God's eyes, if you're producing 30 or 60 or 100, you're all good. It's all the same. How do I know that? Because we see that in the parable of the talents. Where it says what? The one who had 10 talents? He said to them what? Uh, you know, blessed are you. You faithful servant, come receive your ma master's uh, inheritance, your master's happiness, whatever translation you have. Then he says to the one who has two multiplied by two, he says what? The exact same thing. Gave them what? The exact same reward. Some only have the capacity to produce 30, some 60, some 100. It's that you're faithful in, in doing what God has called you to do. If, you're, if you can only produce 30, then produce 30. And then the cool thing is, is Jesus doesn't say that the soil doesn't already have stones or thorns on them. Because I guarantee you, when Jesus planted his word in you, there were all kinds of thorns. Jesus might even pluck his finger trying to stick that plant down inside your heart. You might have tried biting his finger. Get away from me. Arr. Some of you did, didn't you? Some of trying to drag you to church. You're sitting there gnawing at them. Get away from me. I don't need that cheese and stuff. How many of you guys, the first time you ever went to church, that was probably one of the first things you ever said? I don't need that God stuff. Raise your hand if you ever said anything similar to that. Oh, so there's, about, there's like three of us. It's funny because I'm the one that's up here. <laughs> Anyways. So the question is, friends, and the cool thing is, is that, that the stoniness or the thorns or whatever it was that could have potentially been blocking did not hinder the fruitfulness. Why? Because they didn't resist what God wanted to do. Friends, you find yourself resisting the Holy Spirit, you'll find yourself resisting growth. If God tells you to do something, if you feel something in your spirit to let go of and you don't let go of it, what you're doing, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're resisting growth. For instance, okay, well, I'm, you know, and I'm not picking on anybody. You know, Maybe, maybe you have known for the last 15 years that you're supposed to stop smoking that cancer stick. And you just, for some reason, 
are just too stubborn to let that thing go. What are you doing? Resisting growth. Didn't the Lord tell you a long time ago that that's killing you? Not picking on anybody. Okay? But we've got to begin to say yes to Him. And maybe that's your struggle. Maybe your struggle is alcohol. And maybe you know that you live a line of alcoholics. And maybe you have family members that have died from alcoholism, li- li- liver failure, kidney failure. And yet you can't stop drinking. But you know that the Lord has told you that you need to stop doing this, but you can't let it go. What are you doing? You're resisting the Holy Spirit. You're resisting growth. And you're saying no to the Holy Spirit, then what's going to happen? If you stop growing, what do you think is going to begin to grow around you? Thorns and thistles. And you know what? Perhaps you're a good soil at one time, but you've allowed the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, and all these other things to begin to choke out your life. Have you ever seen a plant that was fruitful, and then all of a sudden all of these weeds began to wrap around it and choke it? Have anyone ever seen a picture of something like that? What do you have to do if, the, if there is something that bears fruit and then so, something begins to weed around it? What do you got to do? You got to cut the weeds off around it, correct? I'm not a farmer. I have no green thumbs. But I know that if there's a weed, it's got to go. Why? What does a weed do? A weed sucks all the nutrients from that which produces fruit and doesn't give you jack in return. Isn't that what a weed does? Do you get... Do you get something from a weed? Absolutely not. A weed will just suck the nutrients, suck the life from that which produces, will just take up all the space. Friends, we need that spiritual weed be gone in our lives. So the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning, or now this afternoon, friends, what soil is your heart? Friends, I can't look at you, you know, and tell you, well, you have this and you have that. So only you can look inside yourselves and know what kind of heart you have. If you have a stony, hardened heart like the, like the seed among the path, or if you have rocky ground, I mean, there's soil there, but man, there's just so much stuff that, it, that, that when God wants to do a work in you, you don't have the capacity to grow root. And when things come, man, you run. Or perhaps you're the one that received salvation with joy. God done some work in your life, but then you begin to allow the things, the cares, to begin to choke out what God has wanted to do in your life. Or maybe you're in this place and maybe you are the good soil. Maybe God has begun that work in you and you've begun to see amazing things happen. Friends, if you're in this place today and you have a heart of good soil, then friends, as a part of the body of Christ, the Lord has called us to sow the seed that He's planted inside of us. I've got a small video I want to show, and then I'm going to close. If you can go ahead and show that video.